Hello and welcome to the New Collective podcast. I'm joined today with Christina Gagan, who is a very new artist to the New Collective. We are delighted to have her with us. Christina, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? fine we're trekking on sort of creating work and trying to make things happen there's a lot of things happening for us here in the collective over the next couple of weeks and we're just delighted to, to have you here to talk about your practice and to talk about your artwork and to get to know a little bit more about you which is just really exciting so um i suppose the first question that i suppose i'm going to have um that, that i've been asking everyone over the last couple of weeks in these feature podcasts is what was the first thing in your memory that sparked that whole creative world for you? Um, I would say uh, probably when I was four in my parents' office, they worked from home and they were illustrating a book at the time. Uh, They're both architects. And so I think every kid at some stage wants to imitate their environment. So I was very happy to sit at my own little desk and draw for hours and end with them. Oh, wow. Cool. Great. So like you've obviously had um, a big influence from your from your parents and so far as them being architects and, and being into the design world. Do you feel that uh, they have made a massive influence in your life? Definitely, definitely. They're very encouraging. Um, and also where we were, we were kind of in a remote part of Ireland in a way. So you kind of you get creative when you don't have a lot to do and things. So I think that also had a massive impact in give me the time and space to pursue art or interest. Oh, good. So what sort of things were you drawing then? Uh, well, right, the very first thing I remember drawing was probably The Lion King, lots of sketches of Disney. Um, but then as probably, yeah, from maybe seven onwards, it was all kind of the environment, a lot of horses, dogs, cats, mm-hmm. and portraits. So I suppose you were doing a lot of like uh, representative drawing, like drawing, um at that yes. age wow okay yeah. excellent I suppose it, it, thinking about how an architect works insofar as they would make uh, literal drawings of things and they'd be very like particular in how they would present something or in how they would uh, how they would um uh, create create so is that something that you've taken from your parents as well and that are you are you as literal as them or do you find that you go into more abstract work or is it is it all very specific how do you draw how do you do how did you very good question so that kind of transposed um when I was very young I didn't understand abstract work and I kind of in that literal sense was more influenced by the realistic let's say representation of work that my Mm. parents did um but definitely coming you know around secondary school I kind of went more into the abstract sense and now it's very much uh, representational symbolic abstract work whether it be portraiture or um or landscape um so yeah that was a, a big transition for me over the past well quite quite a few years but um my parents would just take out a sketchbook and freehand draw what was in front of them a lot of nature and things mm-hmm. i wish i had their skill of that lifelike representation yet at the same time very much unique and a kind of sketch style a sketch style i really admired yeah, is that something that you would be interested in even trying to to make, or is it something that you're happy to kind of keep things more like that, a little bit less literal? Um, it's changed. So I did try it, um, and I really enjoyed it. However, I think I was just more interested, in maybe in some cases, the 
less I became less more interested in the less um literal and more representational so while I did I did go through phases for about 10 years of this is pontalism this line drawing this is print um that kind of trans transgression went into the more abstract mm, okay very good so you went into secondary school and you were saying that kind of things had evolved and some of your practice had changed and you went from just drawing animals and what was around you to kind of breaking things down a little bit so in school how were your teachers how was how was that whole process how did how did you get on school with art did you do um that? yeah I think um I think it would be accurate to say I was the artist of the group like there's 40 people it was a very small school um and there's 40 people um people were more into different topics and things like that but from my memory I was probably the known as the artist even though I felt a lot of my classmates were much more skilled than me I was always impressed so impressed and I thought what why don't they do art because they're they're much better mm. um and I really liked like the stuff they did so my teacher was good. I feel I was probably a bit of a lazy student at times or a bit of um, didn't quite do what I was told when it came to art. So, you know, but I, I got there in the end. That's very rebellious of you as, a, as an artist. It's not, not That's not unlike what an artist would do, though, in fairness, Christina. <laughs> um, and so can you remember anything particular that you may have made that you were really proud of as a teenager? Oh, um. Let's see. Um, I was quite happy with the Quantalism series. Um, I did a series. I really, I really like uh, Greek history and things like that. And there's um a piece. Um, is it the Odyssey? Um, in that epic, they mentioned mist a lot. Weather and natural, uh, scenery is very much part of. <clears throat> The storytelling you know anticipating what's next and I mentioned mist a lot so when I did my pointillism series series that initially started out as cats you know and horses and you know very physical things but it uh, progressed into um, very abstract um, landscapes mist snowy scene so um, and a lot of nature so a lot of accuracy still but at the same time uh, a lot of attention to detail and things like that but still an abstract piece all with pontalism wow cool so like i mean just to now we've, we've spoken quite a lot about your kind of connection with nature and connection with animals and tell us a bit more about that what what is your have you got a have you still got a love of animals what is your what is your connection oh. with nature and animals yeah, i mean i would say i'm a cat person foremost but uh with nature um I uh, went to Greece a few times when I was very young with my family and the landscapes there, the rolling hills, the intensity of the colours, the contrast and textures between the sea and the, the mountains and things. That was all, it was so visceral um, and just really, really incredible um, just to see something so dynamic. And Ireland is the same, like especially the west of Ireland, uh, there's a rawness to it in nature and that certainly influenced me later as I went down down the path of more um landscapes and the materials i used and techniques okay cool so what made you want to pursue um design or art as a career what made you want to make that jump into the professional world um it's something i've always wanted to be since the age of four apparently i said i wanted to be an artist so there was didn't feel like there's a lot more uh, many other choices briefly i thought maybe an architect but my parents were quite adamant maybe 
you want to do something else just because they say it's actually really tough but um it's tough as in and tougher than being know, like, <laughs> yeah they're like oh the hours are horrible and you have to listen not not horrible but you know you you have more much more restrictions in creativity in architecture than I assumed or knew of when I was younger and said oh I'd love to be an architect too okay good so what was that then that transition how did that transition move from secondary school to to your undergrad what did you do when you as your undergrad um I studied uh, the title was autonomous uh, fine art I did um, a four-year bachelor it actually turned out to be five years in the Netherlands in the north in Groningen so it was a small student city with loads of internationals and uh, it was an international uh, class I was with as well with Dutch students as well amazing and like what was what was happening in in that program that, how did that, was, that... yeah that, that was amazing uh, that was my biggest eye-opener um I went to the Netherlands because I'd never been before and it also um at the time when I was looking it seemed to be very contemporary very varied and I wanted the challenge and that in that environment I thought okay let's try somewhere new and get this experience rather than um maybe stay here and get that experience as well I thought if the opportunity is there maybe I should just see what it's like so I pursued that and it was good I, I wrapped my head around what contemporary art was you know I'd always come from probably more the physical literal kind of idea of art into now the contemporary the performance the varied mediums and expressions and things mm. and so at this at the start I was like okay this is is this this is all new is this art you know I was very much you know 19 year old seeing this stuff for the first time thinking okay where, where do I fit in <laughs> um and it was great it was an adventure did you find that your work changed as you went through that process well, completely completely so I started going through these phases I arrived in with let's say phases of more techniques and materials and subject matter mm. to then being encouraged um, and assisted uh, in kind of finding my own stamp um, my own identity kind of expressing what mattered to me and for me that was landscapes and the environment whether that be the people or the space but ironically I ended up drawing a lot of mountainscapes and <laughs> while, while being in the Netherlands so Oh, yeah amazing that's very good so you finished that then that f five years wow that was a, lo a long time um I had you... to repeat my la I had to repeat my last year unfortunately <laughs> that's, that's okay I mean the, I think it's the, the issue I suppose with um with with fine art or with anything that's kind of creative it's it's very difficult to assess and a lot of things are very um are very um subjective <laughs> Yes, subjective. That was the word I was thinking of too. Um, and and did you find that like I suppose because when I was doing my own undergrad, I think it was they were always kind of really trying to drive the conceptual element of fine art mm. of, of the arts and and trying to figure out how um we could um make our work conceptual and make our work representative of something or or mm. relate, relative to something that was within the conceptual um world or within a conceptual idea. Did you find that that was something that they pushed as much in your de degree program? It's a good point, and I've heard that's something that's definitely um, it definitely exists um, in the artistic programs. And um, for me, I found that uh, identity was a massive part. Probably the incredible, like international um, cultural influences, being exploring maybe where you came from, where you want to go, even amalgamation of cultures or even where someone's working um, or where they live, 
physically, whether it be an apartment or a particular light. It was a lot about studying and your personality and kind of how you looked at the world and where you came from really was drawn out. And so a lot of my classmates, it's quite incredible. You could really relate them to their work. And one mm. of the reasons probably, uh, one of the definite reasons uh, I'm, I kind of took that extra year was because I was very much observing the environment from a distance in a way, you know, just seeing those intangible moments, abstract moments and trying to bring them back to something representation or physical to look yeah. at um, or experience. And so um, in that way, the identity didn't quite in that instance or that moment in time, uh, it wasn't very um, apparent to people looking at it. They went, oh, yeah, you do landscapes, but what does that mean for your identity and things? So um, in that ways, it's a reason for me to, it was a reason that I took that extra year probably to continue that exploration. Okay, wow. And, and was there any kind of skill-based learning that you were kind of taught over the course of that five years? Uh, we got we got to do a lot of uh, things, um, printing, plastics. I was in the metal workshop a lot for my first two years. Um, and let's see, hold on, a bit of everything, painting, sculpture, wax uh, clay yeah printing a lot of photography videography mm, and yeah plastics but i was in the yeah i i went from mostly from metal work into um into painting and spray painting okay well yeah and of course spray painting because most uh, there's a lot of work that we have um that are uh, using the there is a lot of works that you have with the collective that are, are spray painted and they're quite cool um, and so I suppose from from university then did you did you kind of then establish your voice? Do you think you had you had grounded yourself in a in a certain way of, of making or did you change again or was it a, that case that you kind of were happy with where your your practice was? Um, leaving leaving uni, I think I was in a dual aspect of well both landscapes, but one with these strong uh, lines, these mountainscapes. Um, and these horizons that would kind of um, be incorporated into the environment or the uh, physical urban sculpture. So they'd respond to the pillars, the corners, the stairways, the how people moved and stayed in the space, both mm. the creator, both as a viewer, as a viewer to observe, but also as someone sitting in the space. Like it, the landscape was kind of responding both to its physical landscape and to somebody oh sorry urban scape um and structure and also to the person viewing it so i kind of left with that one with that um aspect and then also the spray paintings which you're probably more familiar with which is intense color um line and shape um and much more abstract yeah, wow. Um, and so now I suppose now that you're saying that you're you're making those sort of works and it's great to kind of segue nicely into that, there there there's some really high contrast uh, works that you have created and that you presented. Um, and talk to me a bit about why there's such a high contrast between them. Is there a certain reason for that or what is what is your your idea behind that? Um, when you say the high contrast, are you talking about the black and white and black and yellow series? Yeah, and the black and oh, yeah. oh yeah the night series so i moved back up to dublin and um after the pandemic only 
up pretty much last May. And um, I'm in a lovely little, little space, but it's a little a bit small. Uh, so I don't really have the storage space or things like that for, you know, painting or studio. Like down in Wicklow, I'd be printing in the grass. I'd be taking a massive canvas out into the rain and spray painting and, you know, just using the textures of the in situ. Um, and that kind of space in Dublin wasn't there. So, well, I didn't look for it as much. I kind of just wanted to enjoy being back up in Dublin. So I took a, spa a bit of a break and just um, from there, really, I think it was just being influenced by the environment. So in Wicklow or in the Netherlands, I responded to the environment. And so here I responded to the environment by kind of, in a way, observing and absorbing the stories of people, the people I encountered briefly or got to know over time, and just kind of seeing similarities and differences, even if I were even a stranger on a bus or wait in that liminal space in a waiting room. And so those kind of exp expressions that I saw in that in-between phase, you know, someone in thought and things uh, really caught to me. And it took me a while, but I eventually found out how I wanted to represent that. And um, someone put it nicely the other day in, in a friend of mine in Scotland, she said, oh, it's like seeing the light in the dark. And for me, uh, my initial motivation was kind of it's the night is where you see the most, you feel the most because you don't have eyes on you. You're so almost you're able to take that, take that breath and thing and reflect. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think reflect is a great word because um, I think even some of the the works and more of the works that you featured with the collective like turbulence or edge of the wood or horizon any of those kind of pieces they all look as though they are reflecting on a surface or nature or something that you have um tried to represent and get give to emulate a feeling or some sort of um sensation almost of how that would look um in the rain or in in a in an environment or in, under under certain uh, weather conditions and I think it's you've achieved that quite well in in that work I'm just wondering is that something that you're going to pursue further is that like because obviously we've just received a couple of new pieces from you which are the, the traverse and off track um, images which are also kind of similar in in style uh, with the spray painting method is it something that you're continuing to make as much as the kind of high contrast elements the print works yeah at the moment it probably um depends where I'm actually in situ if, if I'm down in, in Wicklow for um some time I will take out the canvas if the weather's terrible for me it's perfect I love it when it rains that means that it's easier to uh create those layers and work with work with the wind and the rain and things so it depends on the inclement and then where I am and while I'm up, up in Dublin I definitely do want to pursue um these this style maybe it might be nightscapes similar visual representation or it might be similar style but different colors and different subject matter so um yeah i'm hoping to get back to the that kind of digital style again soon so uh, we'll see i think i think it's a representative of my my interest like but now we're consolidated into two things portraits and landscapes i don't think it's for now for me if it's possible for me to pick one or the other it's just so much influence yeah so I, you mentioned the word digital and sometimes when it comes to art and it comes to fine art there's often a kind of a taboo sense about the use of digital work um and and I suppose um calling it artwork 
what is your view on that? Oh, good question. Um, and definitely subject of debate. Not so much debate, but yeah. See, I view debate as like positive thing, like lots of different ideas coming together. So when I say debate, it definitely they're a topic of debate about is it real artwork? It's a diversion of what I used to do. Um, and does it carry as much, uh, let's say, uh, traction, meaning or gravity, if it is something that could be also reproduced. So for me, um, I'm open to discussions and opinions. For me, it's alleviating the need to recreate something to represent what's in my mind. Like when I go through a series, it's an intense um, amount of information and ideas that I want to get out, um, not as fast as possible, but until I test them, get on paper, see if it even works, I will keep thinking about it. So um, for me, in a purpose, in a purpose, in a way that is art to me, is getting the ideas and the representations and the influence out into the world, whether it be digital or on a canvas or even just a notepad. Uh, it could be a quote and let's say nightscapes. A lot of those titles are quotes. You've got Fraction. You um. Oh, sorry. You, it could be an individual title like Fraction, or it could be a quote like "I'm nothing but a shadow in the night" by uh, Williams um, from Paramore. You know, it's it's a you know a nice song and quotes from literature really also kind of coming together into that influence. Yeah, no, I think that I think that makes an awful lot of sense. I suppose there's always going to be a question of the legitimacy of digital art, especially now with the advancement of AI, AI technology and how yeah. well, did you see that um one about the photograph AI AI photograph winning a prestigious photography award? No, I did not. Yeah, he won a he um he rebuked it and said, "Oh, I can't accept this," um because it's IA and he was testing the limitations, um, and the boundaries in which you could. Mm, I guess influence people I don't want to say deceive in a way it is it depends on your perspective challenging I guess challenging the norms and um yeah it is it is interesting it's I'm watching Dali closely it is it is interesting and I, I find it's like if you're if you're thinking of somebody from the mass public and somebody who is appreciating good artwork or artwork that that just looks aesthetically pleasing to someone um and mm -hmm. that and that maybe hits them in the right way be it the coloring the composition the content matter you know whatever it is if an ai generated image or artwork is fulfilling that for them it's mm -hmm. kind of it's, it's the question of whether that's um going to almost uh the uh, value some of the work of what artists are presenting and then also i suppose even more so what digital artists are creating because mm -hmm. if you're creating something with your ipad and it's in it's a digital artwork um even though you may have created from scratch and did the drawing just use your your pen different brushes and that for it it doesn't really does it does it does it how it balances out between what's auto-generated with um artificial intelligence i think you i think you hit the nail on the head with i guess the first line of defense when it comes to art or you know that first impact and that's a vis visual and then it depends you know what's the story behind it is it an ai generated piece that's tricked judges is it the story of someone's childhood or resolution coming to a head in a in a physical representation or is it um 
it does it have significance based on the time it was painted and what it was opposing or representing um so definitely the first aspect or the first uh line of defense is going to be questioned and influenced them on a massive scale um so i can't say but it's really it's interesting question yeah i think i think it's something we should discuss a bit further um in the future uh because we want to get back to you um but it, it's it, it's definitely a hot topic at the moment i could discuss it all all day but i realize that you probably no yeah. I, it's not that is that we want to get back to you so let's get back to your studio and let's talk about what happens when you step foot into the studio or how does that even happen for you what's what makes you want to work full stop mm. It depends on the studio. So in this case, I would say I have two. There's the one up in Dublin and then my um, family home in, in Wicklow. And in in Wicklow, where it's a landscapes, I'm using textures and stuff. I'm very influenced. I'm suddenly losing, <laughs> losing names here. But uh, let's see, when I was young, I mean, I still love going to galleries at every opportunity, even if it's a lunch break or just before closing time um after work um so i'm always influenced by seeing other works and that really motives motivates me whether it be color or trigger an idea that i had that i put to the side um let's say the work of a contemporary artist um leah beggs for instance she's an irish artist she has a lot of beautiful blue works and i went through a phase of blue uh it, of um fascination and um, artworks which were specifically blue landscapes mm. so um yeah i really enjoyed that and then i don't know anything that just has a lot of intangible like the landscapes is kind of about capturing that intangible moment so capturing the shells of rain within the spray paint depending on the density and consistency that fragility and that strength mm. of nature is is fascinating so as soon as it starts raining I'm, running out with my canvas my coat and my spray paints and working with the wind and you just don't there's the unpredictability of it even though there will be a result and it's unique each time so that would be what happens in that studio and then in Dublin just being around people a lot I'm really fortunate just that I'm in a, in a good location um, and it's can be quite it can be a bit noisy but it's busy but that really influences me um, and I loved I love the work of Magritte and things like that. Um, those very still portraits, um, and uh, very uh, ambiguous. Yeah, amazing. No, that's really good. And I suppose it's no, it's it's great that you have two different spaces you can channel between because it means you're never going to get bored, and there's always going to be some <laughs> sort of additional influence that could, and also there'll probably be at some point a connection between the two. Uh, space Some stage um I, I won't uh i've tried to force it a few times between the line landscapes the line horizons um and the colorful um pieces made more colorful pieces made outside but mm -hmm. uh, if it happens organically i'm open to it Who because i've tried a few times <laughs> As if anything it's probably an underlining connection point that you haven't yet even identified but it's probably there already um, it's it's interesting to see how these things kind of just churn out from uh, from the process of doing and what's created in in the bulk of work that you've created. And if you were to go back and look at them all as a full body of work, you'd probably see something uh, that connects them. Uh, is there is there something that you're working on now at the moment? What's 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 coming up? What's 
what's in the mind at the moment what's what's about to happen well back to the dual <laughs> unfortunately the dual process not unfortunately i enjoy it but um it's hard to explain the artwork in, in one piece or myself in a single a single piece um so i've got a, a mural coming up um uh, in the style of the nightscape so be my first here in dublin and also first of the series and that will be influenced by a historical um irish painting that's one of my favorite in the national gallery so i will try and um, take the composition and part of the story into the the pose that i and the um and the depiction I display uh, on the mural. So I hope I do this historical piece justice. Um, there will be some process shots as that comes along. And then aside from that, the summer's coming up. So um, I'll be doing more stuff in, in Wicklow, hopefully. Um, even though it's not raining, I am hoping to find another way to- There will definitely be rain in July. There's always rain in July. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm hoping to find different ways of use, I, because I really love the process of using nature to create nature, uh, natural um, landscapes and stuff. So I'm hoping to do more experiments that way. Good. Amazing. No, that's all very exciting. I can't wait to see the mural and look forward to seeing what other works you create in Wicklow. There's um, I just there is a, you look at your work and there is a, a definite a definite emotion that comes from it, and I think that's even from either from either work from either style, um, and I think you've you've definitely uh, managed to achieve that in the work that you create, and just excited to see Thank what else is, that comes through. Um, and we we will see that across your profile as well on New Collective and we'll see that across um, everything that we share on on our socials as well so do keep keep an eye out for looking at um, new works for um, that that will come up soon so I'm very excited to see them um, I suppose is there something that you think of I think there's something that we haven't really touched on as much other than maybe your parents but has there been a person in your life that has been a massive influence to you Oh, that's a good question. Practice, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good question. Uh, let's see. Are you feel that you may kind of always go back to, or there's like, oh, that work or that person or that kind of style. It may be a poet, it may be an artist, it may be a person that's taught you. It may be like, has there been a, 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 a massive kind of thought? Um, let me think. I'm pretty sure there has. Um, so but it's not as you say like it's not just so much like maybe maybe not just an artist but let's say in terms of illustration um and emotion uh I'm probably going to butcher this name I do apologize Heo Miyazaki who does the um who leads the uh visual studio for Ghibli movies I absolutely love those movies and then an artist for the portraits let's say and that emotion but more to do with the person is uh, probably would, would be Magritte but I always look to um in terms of music actually I've always listened to Ludovico Naudi and Diane Tiersen um I love all types of music literally from rock to jazz to literally anything but when it came to art especially listen to a lot of jazz and then a lot of piano piano work well I suppose piano, piano is a very lyrical instrument and in, in itself in the compositions there they, they create so many different colors in their compositions that you can only be drawn into vivid imagery and obviously Einaudi is a very good example of somebody that does that very successfully um so it says that that's really interesting and I think you're not probably the only one who gets so much influence from from music and from from composers from I think that's really a really 
common thing that would happen for artists. And I think it's amazing how the two connect, how those two worlds connect. Um, the, the the music and the art world. We I think we we are in tandem with one another a lot more than people give appreciation to. Um, but it's good. That's great. That's really good. Um, and I I think it's just been great listening to you talk about your world and about your practice and where it's going and where where it has come from. And I th- I think a lot of people will find interest in this as well. So looking forward for everybody to hear this. Um, and I hope that um, uh, those who are listening to it will will share it with their friends and family and get them engaged with you and your work and if they haven't seen your work before go check it out it's at newacollector.com forward slash christina gagan and you can see all of her works there learn a little bit about her bio and her art practice and her artistic statement and all of that's there but also you can follow us on newacollective.com um and on our social channels including instagram twitter linkedin whatever we're there probably if you can think of a place we're probably there um and we're across all of your favorite podcast platforms too including spotify and apple podcasts so christina thank you so much for joining us and thank you for being a pleasure and thank you for having me sharing all of your story with us looking forward to seeing your work in our upcoming exhibition um which is online called portal um that is going to be really exciting because we've a lot of new work to share with you for that from all of our artists on the collective and you are included in that and we're excited to share your piece on that too which is very exciting portal is starting on the 10th of may at www.newcollective.com so thank you very much everyone i'm eamon shanahan and you've been listening to the new collective podcast